Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Boss Podcast. I am Kirk Bailey and every week we bring you a boss talk that will make you think. This week, Claire Liu looks at why is the CEO often the last to discover something. The Business of Software Podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Be it fear or futility, those pesky employees aren't telling you everything. In this talk, Claire Lou helps you understand why people don't tell you things that you need to know, but more importantly, has highly actionable advice about how to build a much more honest, open and productive work culture. Claire Liu is an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Northwestern University and the CEO of Know Your Team, a software tool that helps managers become better leaders and is an expert in creating positive working environments. You may recall her other boss talk, The Accidental Bad Manager, which featured on the podcast back in episode 6, looking at how to ask your team the right questions, why trust is important and why being nice can be a bad thing. Lots to learn. Happy listening. My name is Claire. I'm the CEO of Know Your Company. And like I was briefly mentioning, it's a software tool that helps CEOs get to know their employees better. And we specifically work with businesses with about 25 to 75 employees who are experiencing growing pains. So that feeling as a founder, as a CEO, of when you've got you know, five people, then you grow to 10 and 15, and then all of a sudden you're at 20 and you know, things just don't feel um, like you have a pulse as well as you'd like to. And so that's what we help CEOs with. As Mark mentioned, the product was actually originally built by Basecamp. So it was one of their products among their product line along with Basecamp and High Rise and Campfire. And they built it because they themselves as a company also felt this pain firsthand of feeling like they were the last to know something as the founders and as the CEO in the company. So they built this product, they built Know Your Company about two years ago, and it was so successful as a product that they actually decided to spin it out into its own separate company, and then they asked me to run it as the CEO. And so today, we've been running Know Your Company as a whole separate company now for almost two years. We work with over 8,000 people all over the world in 15 different countries, companies like Airbnb, Kickstarter, uh, Medium. I know there are a couple of customers here in the audience too today. Um, and so it's been really amazing to be able to help CEOs in this way. Today though, I would like to ask all of you to think back. And to think back to a time when someone in your company left and you didn't see it coming. And maybe this hasn't happened in your company yet, which is good, but it's frustrating to even think about. It's something that personally for me as a founder, personally for me as a CEO, I, I worry about. It's frustrating because if you don't know if someone's gonna leave, if you don't know that there's a problem, you can't do anything about it. If you would have known, maybe you would have been able to. I guarantee you that if you are a CEO, if you are a founder, business owner, manager, you have been the last to know something in your company every single day. Whether it's an employee who's underperforming, 
an employee or a project that's running behind, whether it's an employee that's disagreeing with the direction about the company or someone who's considering leaving. And it's something that happens in every company, whether you're a balsamic, guessware, precision lender, someone's disagreeing with the direction in your company. At Service Rocket 2, someone's thinking about leaving. At AdZerk, NowSite, Lupio, MailChimp 2. And at PHC Software, there's things that you don't know in your company that's happening right now. So it's happening in all companies. You're the last to know. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in business for. And it's something that happens all the time. In fact, there's a study done in 2009, a national survey done by Cornell, where they found that 85% of employees who were surveyed felt that they were unable to express their feedback. 70% of employees said that they hesitated to actually speak up at work. And in fact, 42% of employees actually admitted to withholding information. Withholding information about a problem that they saw, withholding information about an idea that they had. They actually kept something from the company because they didn't feel comfortable sharing it. And in fact, I've been one of those employees. So about four years ago, I was an employee at a company working for a CEO. And while I was working there, I felt this pain firsthand. For some reason, in that company, I did not feel comfortable voicing my thoughts, my ideas, my concerns. And because of that, I left. I ended up actually starting my own consulting practice, working with CEOs to solve this very problem, because I just couldn't believe how difficult that it was. Started my own consulting practice. Basecamp was actually my first official client, which is how I first got introduced to them. But it's a pain firsthand that I've experienced as an employee, and that I've seen firsthand happen to another CEO. The thing is, though, it doesn't have to be that way. My situation doesn't have to happen in your company. You do not have to be the last to know if you're a CEO, if you're a manager, if you're a business owner. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Specifically, I'll talk a little bit about why this matters, what the cost is of if you don't do anything and if you continually, to const or continually constantly are the last to know. I'm going to talk about why it happens. And lastly, most importantly, I'm going to talk about what you can actually do. That if you run a company or you're a manager in a company, there are steps that you can take to create an environment where regardless of how introverted your employees are, you'll enable them to feel more comfortable giving you feedback and so that you're no longer the last to know. So first, let's talk a little bit, though, about why does this matter, right? OK, yes, the feeling of being the last to know is uncomfortable. We don't like it. But what's the real cost of if we don't do anything about it? What's the real cost of if we don't actively try to get to know our companies better? Well, the first, as you might have guessed, is disengagement. So it's the reason why I left the company, my own company, a couple years ago. So it's shown that managers who give little to no feedback actually result in an employee being actively disengaged four out of 10 times, right? And so because of that, if you are disengaged, now that directly you know, impacts the business. It's proven that up to 10 grand you'll lose for, in salary for every employee because of reduced productivity. 
all because of someone not being engaged because they don't feel like they can speak up in their company. This is directly linked with turnover. And so as an employee, you know, if I feel like, you know what, I can't speak up in my company, I'm going to think about leaving. And in fact, 74% of employees today, 74% of employees today would consider finding a new job. And what's the reason for that? So there was an incredibly recent study done by Gallup, actually just a couple months ago this spring, that found that the number one reason for why an employee will leave their job is because of their manager. It's a pretty well-known statistic that's been found in a lot of repetitive studies, but the one that was done this spring re revealed something really interesting, which is that the reason why someone doesn't like their boss is because they feel that they can't agree with this statement. They feel that, you know what, I can't approach someone with a question that I have. And the, the employees who are actually the most engaged are the ones who do agree with this statement, over half of them, where they can say, I can approach my manager with any question. And so if someone doesn't feel that way, they'll leave. And it's, as I'm sure you know, not only is it just uh, financially expensive, actually up to 1.5 times an employee's salary, but replacing someone in a company I mean, that's, you know, there's some cultural expense there. There's just the, the time that it takes to find someone. And then lastly, the real cost of losing someone, or sorry, the real cost of not knowing someone or not knowing your company as well as you should are the accidents and mistakes that occur. So the problems in your company that you don't know about until too late. And there's one study that was done in 2010. It was with a couple thousand employees across several industries. And they found that employees, they only directly intervene in about two out of five unsafe work conditions. It's less than half of the time where an employee is not speaking up when they see an issue and a problem that's actually unsafe. So, okay, it's clear that not knowing your company as well as you should, being the last to know, no one wants that. And if I'm an employee, you know, I don't really want that either. So why does it happen? What's actually going on in the environment that makes someone feel like they can't speak up at work and give that honest feedback to you as a CEO? Even if you as a CEO, as a founder, are saying, hey, I've got a suggestion box. My door is always open. I'm trying everything I can. Why is it that it's still, still happening? Why is it that you're still the last to know? So there are two reasons for this. The first is fear. And you might have guessed this, right? There's an automatic power dynamic at play between an employee and a boss where, you know, there's an exchange of money happening. One person is working for another. And so because of that, there's not really an incentive for an employee to put themselves, you know, and put that relationship at risk. So there's an element of fear. And it doesn't always mean that the employee is scared of getting fired necessarily. What it could mean is that they're scared of the relationship changing. You know, the CEO feeling that, oh man, I, I, you know, this person may not be promoted later. Even creating awkwardness in a work environment. There's some fear associated with that for some employees. And it plays a real role in an employee feeling like they cannot voice their opinions. The second reason, and this is the most, uh, the most powerful reason for why people don't speak up at work, and it's futility. So it's the feeling that even if I were to uh, speak up, nothing would happen. Nothing would change. 
And studies have shown that, in fact, this feeling of futility is 1.8 times more powerful than fear as an obstacle to feedback. All right, so if those are the obstacles to giving or getting that honest feedback, what is it that we can do about it? How can we overcome this feeling of fear? How can we overcome this feeling of futility? And what can we do as CEOs, owners, and managers in our companies to create that environment? Two things, really simple. You have to ask for feedback in the right way, and you have to act on that feedback in the right way. Ask and act. Two really simple concepts, but there are some very specific, powerful things that you can do for both of those that'll really change and transform your culture just by doing them. So I'm gonna take you through that. So first though, asking. Okay, if I want feedback, yeah, I have to ask for it, I get that, you know, you ask questions, maybe a lot of you already send out employee engagement surveys, maybe some of you already do one-on-ones. But asking questions, I wanna take a step back because I wanna talk about why it's important and I wanna talk about, well, if it's important too, why is it so hard for us to do? Because we actually don't do it a lot in business. So, first of all, in terms of why asking questions, why this is important, well, like I mentioned, if you want feedback, if you want answers, that only comes if you ask questions. That's the only way you find anything out. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm gonna grab some water. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> choking here. <laughs> um, timely, I'm sure. Um, <coughs> sorry? Maybe. <laughs> That's super weird. Um, <laughs> thank you for bearing with me as I try to swallow my water here. The second, though, um, reason for why asking questions is so important, but it's really the only way that you can overcome fear. The minute you ask a question, it signifies trust. It signifies confidence. I'm taking the time to invest some time in actually asking a question to someone. And so that's why it is so important. And so really, when you think about asking a question to your employees, you're really thinking about, okay, well, how do I overcome this fear? How do I actually ask a question in the least biased and least threatening way to them? Now, so, okay, it's important. Well, what makes it so hard to do? Yes, I know we need to ask questions. I get that, I get that that's important. What makes asking questions so difficult? The reason is because, honestly, it's just easier to make an assumption and have an answer instead of to probe and to ask a question and to think about something a little bit more thoughtfully or in a way that's different from how you originally see it as. It's much easier to say, I already know what my employees think. Oh, they're only gonna just say this, versus to actually ask that question. The other thing that makes it kind of hard to ask questions is the fact that, as a society, we actually seem to value tasks more than relationships. You see this in sports, you see this in entertainment, and you definitely see it in business, where people, they like to reward the outcomes versus the actual relationship itself. So for example, in business, when you're promoted as a manager, the extra responsibility that you're given is to actually tell other people what to do. Not to ask questions, not to dig and to understand the relationship better, or to, to focus on that, but
but rather to make sure that the outcome's good, which is fine, but it's interesting because what it does is it biases us as managers, as CEOs, to not focus on the relationship as much, but just to focus on the result. So when you think then about, okay, well then how do we actually overcome those things? How do we actually get good at asking for feedback? How do we actually get good at asking questions? Five things that you can do. The first is this idea of going first. So like I was mentioning, you need to overcome this power dynamic between an employee and a boss. You need to overcome this sense of fear. And so one way to do that is by what I call going first and asking for advice. So a lot of times people don't like to give feedback because it feels like they're being critical. But everyone loves to give advice. Everyone loves to give advice. It feels helpful, right? And so the next time you're in a one-on-one, -on -one, instead of saying, hey, you know, I could use you know, some feedback on what you thought about the project, ask, I could use your advice about, yeah, that project that we had. That would be really helpful to me. So framing the feedback as advice is a way to overcome some of that fear and to go first as a leader. A second thing that you can do is to admit some vulnerability. So again, to diffuse that sense of fear that an employee might have is to say something like, yeah, I'm struggling with coming up with a good plan to market the new site to our customers. I would love your help on that. Instead of saying something like, I really need some feedback on figuring out what to do with the marketing site. It's, I'm struggling with something. So again, showing that vulnerability is a way to open someone up to be able to give you that more honest feedback. Another thing you can do is you can figure out what's getting in the way. You can figure out and dig and ask how you yourself, as the boss, as the manager, is actually contributing to this problem. So you can ask, how's my behavior making things worse for you? Again, it's showing some vulnerability. It's going first as a leader. But by doing so, you're saying to the employee that I recognize that I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. You may be seeing something that I'm not seeing that I could be doing better. Excuse me. So that's going first. And that's one of the things that you can do to be able to ask questions in a better way. The second thing you can do is what I like to call shoot the elephants. And what I mean by that is there are probably, in every conversation that you have with an employee, there's probably some sort of elephant in the room for why that employee isn't telling you everything. It might be because they know the last time you, you know, they brought up an idea to you, you kind of exploded and got a little defensive. It might be because they know that you have a tendency of always just not liking this idea, and so they're, they're just not going to bring it up anyways, right? So we all are pretty aware of what those elephants might be, and so what you can do is you can talk about them. You can say, all right, you know what? I'm, I want this feedback to all be about learning. That's why I'm asking it. I'm not here to judge. So being really clear that you're looking to learn something versus to actually judge what the person is saying. And so yeah, you can say that absolutely directly. I'm asking this question because I want to learn whatever it is that you're looking to learn. You can also tell employees upfront that you want them to be honest. This is a great way to shoot that elephant in the room. So to tell them that, hey, you know, I get it. You can be both kind and honest with me. You don't have to you know, worry about hurting my feelings. And for any employee who does feel a little bit more hesitant about that, you can even say, you know what, don't even worry about being nice. Just focus on being helpful. That's what I want. And that's a great way, again, to shoot that elephant in the room of you know, why they may not be telling you the full truth of what they're really feeling. You can also say to them, sugarcoated answers, 
they don't help anyone. I really do want the truth. Or please feel free to argue with me. That's a great way to be really direct that you want contrarian thoughts, advice, um, and opinions. So that's shooting the elephants. It's the second thing you can do. The third is be specific. So it's interesting. You know, when we think about questions, it's, it's pretty intuitive. Of course, you know, I'm going to ask a specific question. Um, but it's so interesting how often we do the opposite. You know, for example, you might ask in a one-on-one, -on -one, how's it going? And nine times out of 10, someone will say, fine. And then you'll think later, oh, well, why did they just say fine? Why did they allow? I don't really understand. So it's interesting how really being specific about the question makes such a difference. And so one way to do that is you can ask about one thing. This is one of the tricks that I personally use all the time. So just say, what's one thing that we could have done better last week? What's one thing that you saw uh, from the meeting that you thought could be improved? What's one thing in our business that we should be thinking about for next quarter? Another way to be specific is that you can ask about a specific event, a milestone, a project, center it around something. So you could say, what's something we should talk about at our next all-hands meeting? What's something that we should uh, review before we meet with our board? So center it around something specific as an event, a uh, period in time, um, or a situation. And the last thing that you can do is something that I like to call time boxing your question. So to constrain what you're talking about and the question that you're asking to a specific period in time. So for example, to ask, in the past two weeks, what's one thing that you thought could have been better? Instead of just saying, yeah, what's, you know, what's, what's something we should be improving on? So time boxing it to the previous day, the previous week, however amount of time that you want to, to do that for. And then, of course, you can follow up by asking for more concrete information. This is a great way to really, um, to really unlock uh, more information when an employee is kind of giving you a vague idea of something that you're like, ooh, I want to learn more about what they're really thinking about that part of the company. So you can say, can you give me an example? Or what does that look like? Or what do you really mean by that? Or if, you know, could you draw it out for me? So to ask them for more concrete information. And the difference. It's amazing. So like I was saying, if you ask, how's it going, I assure you, they'll say it's fine. But if you ask instead something specific, something where you're time boxing the question, something where you know, you're asking about a specific event, a specific um, project, you're going to unlock so much more information because of that. So make sure to be specific. The fourth thing that you can do is you can look to the future. So this is a really interesting, uh, really interesting concept, or I think a reflection of kind of us as people. But one thing that you'll notice is if you ask someone about what they could have done better in the past, it kind of feels icky. But if you instead ask someone about what they could be doing better in the future, people open up a lot more. So if the questions that you're asking reflect more and focus a little bit more on the future, you'll notice how people are much more willing to open up to you about it. And I don't mean that this means that every single question that you ask in an employee engagement survey or in your one-on-one -on -one or you talk about in your all-hands meeting, I don't mean that every single one of them should be about the future. But what I do mean is just make sure that some are. Make sure that not every single question is just focusing on what's been happening in the past. So very simply, very straightforwardly, you could just ask, going forward, what's one thing that we could be doing better, that we could you know, make sure to implement? 
So that's looking to the future. The last thing that you can do in terms of being able to ask questions well, to make sure that you're not the last to know, is to ask these questions often and to give people as many channels and opportunities as possible to answer those questions. Because the reality is that the more that you do it, the more that you practice asking these questions, your employees are going to notice. And all of a sudden, it'll start to become a habit. And that's really habits. That's really what culture is made of. And so if you want to create a culture that's open, if you want to have a culture where people aren't afraid to speak up, give their two cents, doing it as often as possible is important. You also, like I was saying, want to provide as many opportunities for people to speak up. And so whether that's one-on-ones, whether that's social gatherings, barbecues, whether that's you know, happy hours, doing company poll surveys, whether that's all company get-togethers, it doesn't matter. You know? What's important is that you give people more than just this one shot. OK, this is the only time you can give me feedback, and that's it. You, know, you might not be thinking that. You might not be saying that, but it comes across that way. So doing it as often as possible, giving people as many opportunities as possible to weigh in is really helpful. The last thing that you can do to make sure that you are asking for this feedback often is think about who you're getting this feedback from. So for example, if you're the CEO in a company of you know, 60 people, are all your one-on-ones just with managers? That's OK, especially if you are that large. But you also want to think about, well, maybe there are folks in the company that you should be talking to who are newer. Maybe that there's, you know, I should go more directly to the source of the information to uncover things that I might not know that I need to hear. And so that's the last thing that you can do, is to make sure that, you're, um, that you are doing and asking those questions often. So remember to go first, shoot the elephants, be specific, look to the future and those questions that you ask, and to ask these questions often. Now in terms of applying this more specifically to your company, there's one thing that I wanted to share, which is with Know Your Company, our software, uh, we regularly ask questions based on those five principles that I showed you. And from that data, we've actually pulled the top four questions that have been the most effective and the most popular that CEOs have asked. And so there's really four questions that you should ask every single employee in your company that reflect those five things I showed you. The first is this. If someone asked you to describe the vision in the company, would a clear answer immediately come to mind? This question's important because thinking about the vision in the company, making sure people are aligned, that's how people are motivated. So you want to make sure people are on the same page about it. It's also an incredibly specific question about the vision, which is what makes it really effective. The second question that you should ask every single employee is, do you think the company is the right size? Oftentimes, when you're the last to know something as a CEO, it's just purely the byproduct of scale. It's the fact that you've been hiring a lot of employees lately, and you used to be able to go around and talk to everyone in the room, and now you just can't anymore. And so asking people about how they feel about that transition, do you think the company is the right size, is a great way to do that. The third question you should ask every employee is, have you ever been afraid to suggest an idea at work that you think might get shot down? And this is an important question to ask, really, because it goes back to that uh, obstacle of fear that I was talking about <laughs> earlier. So that feeling of, you know, are employees holding back because they feel as though 
you know, someone's going to shoot it down. Is that fear at play? That's a really important thing to identify, and it's a great way to shoot the elephant in the room and to address that up front. And then the last question that you should ask every single employee is, do you feel like you're spread too thin right now? So this is a great question to ask because workload and um, people feeling as though that they can accomplish things within a reasonable time frame and not feel too worn out, it's incredibly key to people feeling engaged and happy and wanting to stay at your company. And so this is another great question because it's so specific in getting at that. Another way to apply these five things that I was telling about, about how to ask a question well to your company, are a couple things that you can do in the different meetings that you have, in the different one-on-ones that you do with your employees. And so I have a little checklist here of some five things. So during your next leadership team meeting, it's a great opportunity to ask for advice. This is something that actually one of the CEOs that we work with near your company will do often, is they'll say to their leadership team meeting, I'd love some advice about how we could prepare for our board of directors meeting. You know, what do you guys think? How would you do that? And how can you help me do that? Another thing you can do is before your next employee engagement survey, so if you happen to roll out some sort of pulse survey or do some sort of uh, you know, annual review process uh, you know, with a survey, is that make sure to tell people why you're doing it. Not just, here's another survey. You know, please fill it out. It'd be great if you could have it by Thursday. But to shoot the elephant in the room and say, hey, I know we've done a lot of these surveys before. I know some of you have been frustrated that you know, you know, nothing seems to come out of them. But this one, we're, you know, we're doing it because we really want to make an honest effort. So to shoot the, excuse me, shoot the elephant in the room and to talk about uh, why you're doing it clearly. Another thing you can do is in your next all-company meeting, ask a specific question. Typically, and it's hard to do, especially if you have a large group and if you have a large company that you're talking to, but instead of saying, you know, does anybody have any questions, you know, ask, hey, what did people think about the last all-company meeting that we did? Or is there anything specific you would like to hear for next time? Um, how do you think this one went? You know, be specific about the questions that you're asking. And then in your next one-on-one, -on -one, make sure that the questions that you're asking aren't just about past performance or past events. Make sure they look to the future. And the last thing that you can do to really make sure that you're asking these questions in a right way is to ask yourself, when's the last time that I talked to someone who's not a manager? When's the last time I talked to someone and asked these questions to a new employee, someone who just recently joined, to an employee who doesn't really speak up? And make sure to in increase those interactions in some way. And again, this doesn't mean you have to schedule a one-on-one -on -one with every single employee in your company, but rather just is a way for you to figure out how do I make sure that I can ask these questions not just to the people and from the sources that I'm always hearing things from. So again, make sure that you go first, you shoot the elephants in the room, you're specific, you look to the future, and you do it often. So okay, we want to ask questions in the right way, but the second part of what I was talking about of how you don't have to be the last to know something in a company has to do with taking action. Seems obvious enough, right? If you want to you know, actually um, do something with the feedback, right? Action, it's important. It's also important, though, because it's how you actually overcome the biggest obstacle for why people don't give you feedback. It's how you overcome that sense of futility. Again, the reason why people are asking you these questions is because they want, some, you, they want someone to do something 
with it. And that doesn't mean implementing the suggestions, but, it also, but what it does mean is actually doing something with it. And so I'm going to talk about what you can actually do. And so again, if you're not, you know, why ask these questions if you're not going to even act on them in the first place? So if that's the case then, you know, why don't we do this more often? As CEOs, as managers, as founders, you know, why does it seem so hard, you know, when we ask people and get a lot of feedback, sometimes we get a little stuck of, what do I even do with it? You know, I have heaps of information, or oh, that's kind of vague, or, you know, I just don't even know what to do or to move forward with it. A part of it is that we're incredibly busy. So if you run a company, if you, you know, are in charge of a team, there's something that you need to produce. And so how you're going about it, the questions that you're asking, you know, what you're doing with the feedback, that sometimes seems to fall off to the side. You're trying to execute on something, and I get that. We're incredibly busy. The other reason for what makes it hard to act on this feedback is that we're biased. There's something that some of you may be very familiar with called the fundamental attribution error. And what this is, it's a bias that we believe that when something goes wrong, we attribute it to the person rather to the environment. And so because of that, we don't like to act on feedback because we think, you know what, it doesn't have anything to do with the company. The company's fine, it's this person. It's their own attitudes, their own opinions. It's nothing in the environment that needs to change, so we're biased. And it's interesting, there are studies that have been done that actually show that this fundamental attribution bias increases the busier that we are. So we tend to assume that we don't need to do anything because nothing's wrong in the environment. Nothing's wrong in the company. There are ways, though, to overcome those obstacles, overcome those barriers, though. And there are five things, too, with how you can act on feedback well to do that. The first is to listen without judgment. Really hard to do. Really, really difficult to do. It's important, though, because oftentimes, whether or not we choose to act on feedback, it's based on if we think the feedback's even good. And again, like I was saying, there are a lot of biases and assumptions that come into play. Maybe you had a previous interaction with the employee who's giving you that feedback and speaking up that's causing you to say, I don't even really like that idea. But is that really the case? Is it about what they're saying, or is it about the person? So you know, acknowledge what those biases are. And what it really ends up being is, is this difference between being right and getting it right. Is it because you want to be right as the CEO, as the leader, as the manager? Or you know, can you take a step back, realize there's some biases and assumptions that are probably coming in, and you want to just get it right? Maybe what the employee is saying is there's a, you know, there's a sliver of that that is actually, you know, that makes sense. Another great way to do this, to really help yourself listen without judgment, is to write down the feedback. So if you're in a one-on-one -on -one with someone, is to have a sheet of paper, a pencil, and as they're telling you things, to write it down. It's really helpful for two things. One, it's going to give you some time to process the information. You're not going to just spit back something and react right away. And so two, because of that, an employee, they're going to gain a lot more trust in how you're responding. They're going to notice that you're not being defensive, that you're writing things down, that you're taking it seriously. The other thing that you can do is, oh, wrong way, is to ask yourself, what does it feel like to work for me? This is a great way to help yourself listen without judgment. Because hey, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, maybe it's really hard. Maybe it's difficult. And what are, again, what are the things that I'm doing that might be getting in the way? What does it feel like to work for me? 
So a big part of this and a big part of listening without judgment is making sure that you don't get defensive. Being defensive, this is the one thing, this is the one thing that more than any other action that you'll take that'll stop an employee from speaking up the next time around. They're watching how you'll react. And it's interesting. So what being defensive essentially is, it's assuming that the employee has a bad intention. That's really what defensiveness comes from. And so the way to help yourself be less defensive is to do the opposite. Assume good intentions from your employee, and your defensiveness, it goes away. And in doing so, it's a great way to make sure that you're listening without judgment, you're taking in what that person is saying, and hey, maybe still at the end of it, you don't agree with what the person's saying, but in how you respond, you're now gonna be able to do that a lot better. So listen without judgment. The second thing that you can do is you can recognize the messenger. So essentially, what an employee, or when an employee you know, gives you feedback once you've asked for it, sometimes they're not even looking for their feedback to be implemented. Some, you know, they, maybe they even understand that, yeah, it's unrealistic. Yeah, you know, I understand I'm only one employee out of 120 that's asking for this. Sometimes all the employee is looking for is to be recognized, that sense of gratitude. And gratitude, it's incredibly influential in ensuring that an employee is engaged and ensuring that someone feels that they're connected to the company that they're a part of. The other thing that recognizing an employee does, or recognizing the messenger, is that you set an example for how people handle dissenting opinions in the company. So for example, if you take an employee who's given some tough feedback to the company, but you thank them publicly in front of everyone else, that's gonna set an example for how do you handle people who have different opinions than you in the company. So whether that's in an all hands meeting, thanking everyone, or thanking the person who said the message, whether that's individually and one-on-one, -on -one, whether that's sending an email to someone saying, you know, I know we disagreed about this, but I really appreciate it, that means a lot. So saying, I really appreciate it, saying it means a lot to hear that piece of feedback. Those are both great ways to recognize the messenger. The third thing that you can do to act on the feedback that you're getting is to actually explain why you're not doing something. Again, acting on feedback doesn't mean that you're implementing the actual suggestion. A lot of times, it just means explaining why you know, their idea isn't a good idea, or what you're doing instead, or why it might be something that's put off till later. And so, again, a lot of times for why an employee voices a suggestion, a piece of feedback, is not because they're looking to have it implemented, they just want an explanation. They want that context for what's really going on. What's the bigger picture for how everything's happening and uh, you know, can you just tell me why certain decisions are being made? And without that explanation, the thing is, is that what will happen is an employee, they'll fill it in themselves. If something's not explained, they're just gonna assume. Oh, we're not changing our employee benefits. Well, I guess they just don't care about us as employees. Rather, oh, well, no, actually last quarter was kind of tough financially and we actually just changed it uh, the quarter previous to that. Uh, and so right now, you know, we just don't, we don't have the money and, and it's not a convenient time to, to change our employee benefits plan, right? If you explain that to people, all of a sudden it changes a little bit. And you can just be direct about it. You could say, here's why we're not doing this. This is the reason why. You'll also want to make sure that it's not personal, right? 
So when you explain something, it's not about you, you know, you're not trying to say this is, you know, how I personally feel, that's why this is happening. You want to talk about the fact that, you know, it's for the benefit of the company. It's because it's what's in the best interest of the pro project going forward. It's, you know, for us, you know, this affects my employee benefits plan too. And then at the end of the conversation, when you're explaining to someone why you're not doing something, you can follow up and simply ask, what do you think? Just because you've made the call already and you've made the decision about what you're not going to do doesn't mean that you can't ask employees in turn, well, what do you think about that, though? You know, I still might not change my mind, but I would like to still think. So it's a way to, I'd like to still hear what you think. So it's a way to still keep the conversation open and have people feel that it's more of a dialogue instead of you just saying, here's why we're not doing something. So that's, yeah, those are some ways where you can explain why you're not doing something in the company. The fourth thing that you can do to act on feedback is to emphasize what do you share in common. So it's an important piece of making sure that people feel on board with the changes that you're making or not making because <laughs> Differences, you know, when you argue, those seem to be the things that are only highlighted. So you want to make sure to point out what are the things that you agree on? What are the values that you share as a company? What are the things that you agreed on last week about the feature that you were building? So point out the things that you agree on. And underscore the fact that when you ask for feedback, you're not trying to win. You're trying to learn something. And so emphasize that to an employee. Hey, you know, this is not about me being right or you being wrong. We share some things in common. We're all playing on the same team. And so to explicitly say that, you'll want to say, you know, hey, I know we don't agree on these things, but here are the things that we agree on. So emphasize what you share in common. The last thing that you can do to act on feedback to make sure you're not the last to know is to knock out a quick win. So from the feedback that you're getting, what is something that you could do immediately that's small, that's tangible, that's going to matter? And do it immediately. Timeliness matters. It's amazing. So with the CEOs that we work with for Know Your Company, we'll hear stories all the time of people learning that, wow, you know, someone needed a new office chair. And when we got them one, I, you know, I saw an instant boost in morale. Oh, we needed to change the phone service. And yeah, we've been sitting on it for a while, but I knocked that out. And it's incredible to see you know, what taking advantage of low-hanging fruit, taking advantage of things that, you know, changing the phone service, it's not difficult, but it makes a difference because we're acting on something that someone said. Again, the whole point of asking for feedback is to act on it. And then for bigger things, for things that are a little tougher, delegate them immediately. Give, them, uh, give ownership to your actual employees about how they can actually solve and fix some of the things that they very much suggested. So if someone has a suggestion about how to improve uh, you know, how all company meetings are run, say, all right, great. Well, would you like to run the next one? Would you like to put together an agenda for the next one? Would you like to present some ideas to me for what you think we should cover? So just to delegate the things that you know need to get done, but you just haven't gotten to yet. And of course, most importantly, you want to really clearly communicate when you do make these changes that you're doing them because someone said so, that you're listening, that you're actually taking the feedback from other people and putting it into practice. So remember to listen without judgment. Recognize the messenger for the feedback. Explain why you're not doing something. 
emphasize the things that you do share in common, and most importantly, when you do see a piece of feedback that is worthwhile, knock it out and, and implement it immediately. So to apply this very specifically to things that, you know, Monday morning that you can go in and do next week, there are a couple things you can do. So, like I was saying, when you do have a one-on-one, -on -one, make sure that you are writing down what someone says. It's an, an incredible way to make sure that you're not being defensive. During your next all-hands meeting, make sure that you do recognize someone. Bring someone up to the front of the meeting and say, hey, you know, thanks so much, John, for making sure that uh, you know, you're challenging us about these ideas. That's not exactly, you know, we're not going to go in this direction, but you, know, you made a really thoughtful uh, comment about that, and we really appreciate it. The next time that you do actually implement a piece of feedback that you think is worthwhile, talk about it. Send a company-wide email about it. Put it in your next company newsletter. The next time you do see someone in the hallway who made that comment and suggestion, make sure to thank them and tell them, hey, we actually did that. And then lastly, in the next time you do address your entire company, whether it is an all-hands meeting, whether it's a Skype call, et cetera, explain the things that you haven't acted on. Explain, hey, we haven't, you know, we've been all talk and no action about this. Oh, we're not actually work, you know, moving on this, and here's why. And then when you do so, also make sure to explain the things that you have in common. And so again, five things that you can do to act on feedback to make sure that you're not the last to know. So again, when it comes to thinking about how do we actually overcome that sense of futility and fear that's associated with people not speaking up, it really comes down to asking questions in the right way and acting in the right way as well. And you might be thinking, okay, this is all great and you know, I get it, I get I don't want to be the last to know, but to be completely honest with you, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in my business I need to do. I get that, again, as, you know, as, a, as a business owner myself, there are a million things, a million fires that you're trying to pull out, you know, put out, a million things you're trying to juggle at the same time. You know, how important really is it to make sure that I'm always asking questions and acting on feedback in the right way? And the thing is, is if you don't know these things, though, if you don't know your company as well as you would like to, you can't run it well. Yes, you need to go make sure that you're hiring someone who's great and making sure that the recruiting process is going great. But if there's an employee who's unhappy in your company and you don't know about it, you can't even do that well. You know, yes, you need to make sure that the business is growing and you're cash flow positive and that, the, you know, that you're making sure that customers are happy. But if there's something that you know, one of your customer service representatives knows about why that growth isn't happening, then how can you even do anything about it? Knowing these things, not being the last to know, it's important, just as important as, if not more, than all the things you're doing to run your business successfully. So, well, you might also be thinking, okay, well, okay, I got, all right, so maybe it is important, but, okay, you also gave a lot of stuff, and in theory, it all sounds great, but these are hard things to, to do when you're in the moment where you're having the conversation, when you're planning your, your all-company meeting, you know, it's a lot of, things, the five bullets that I posted out, it's a lot of things to just always remember and have top of mind in the moment. And so one thing that I always suggest is just to start with one of these things. Start with one, focus on it for one month. So for example, 
if your focus will be, all right, you know what, we're just going to ask specific questions. For one month, we're just gonna be really specific about how we ask questions, make sure that we're not just asking for general things, just do that. Or maybe, you know what, we're gonna focus a lot on recognizing the messenger. We haven't done a great job of showing gratitude in the company, and so maybe that'll be a great way to encourage people to speak up. So focus just on one thing at a time, and understand that if you do want something to change in your company's culture, if you want employees to start speaking up more regularly, to be more honest and open with you, it doesn't happen overnight. These things take time. Like I was saying, culture is really the byproduct of habits, and those habits only happen with time. And then lastly, you might also be thinking, okay, well, knowing my company better, knowing these things that I don't know, you know, it also makes me a little bit nervous. I don't know if I want to know. And with that, I get it. I you know, I do. Um, but the, the interesting thing is the things that you don't know about what your employees are thinking, how they're feeling, they still exist. Whether or not you're going to ask questions about it, whether or not you're going to act on it, whether or not you're going to probe about it, they exist. They're there. So you do want to know about it. And don't be so hard on yourself. Yes, a lot of this, I'm sure, you know, not being the last to know, it will always happen. Like I was saying, there are ways to de decrease it. But don't be so hard on yourself. Again, it's something that happens in every single company. It's, it's something that happens all the time. And so hopefully, though, what you can do is you can show your employees that, all right, well, it is something that I am serious about, and at the end of the day, to act on it and to do some of these things. You know, really, these are just kind of words on a slide that I provided to you. And so the real onus is on all of you. And I would love to challenge each of you to figure out a way of, okay, you know, I agree with these things. What are, what's one thing that I can take from this that I can actually put into practice and do? And so lastly, in the spirit of asking for feedback, in the spirit of being open, I would love to ask all of you how I can be more helpful. If there uh, is something for you as a CEO that you feel like, you know, I'm always the last to know about this, please come talk to me after the presentation. If you run a department in a company and feel like you've always constantly been struggling to figure out how to create an environment in your company where people do come to you with problems and suggestions, I'd love to hear about it. And lastly, if you are curious about even how technology and software can play a role in helping you not be the last to know, um, I'd love to talk to you also about our software product, Know Your Company. And in fact, we, we never really do discounts uh, with the product, but if you are interested and end up signing up on board with us, we'd be happy to give you five free employee accounts. So would love to talk about that. But most importantly, I hope that all of you feel that you don't have to be the last to know, and there are things that you can actually do to avoid it. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. We've got time for some questions, I yes. hope. So, uh, hands up. There really awesome and what about the organizational maturity of the employee like what can we do for the employee that they also mature up and sometimes just understand stuff happens so what I've seen is is yeah. in, in the past that okay I can do many of these things but sometimes the employee acts more or less like a child 
<laughs> so we <laughs> should expect some of the organizational maturity from the employee as well. So what to do about those things? Yeah, so it's a tough, it's a tough question because at the end of the day, you know, you, whatever you do, you can't control other people. You honestly, it's, it's, uh, you can't even influence certain people in some ways. Um, so my best advice would be for you to embody these things and to show people and for people to learn it through example. That's really the best way that people learn. And so uh, it's why also that I always feel that if, you're, if you want to transform your culture and to make sure that it is more open and honest, it has to start with from the top. It really does. It has to start with the CEO. It has to start with the founder, the business owner. Um, so I would say that if you, know, if you really care about making sure that your employees are doing a lot of these things is to make sure that you're practicing and doing these things very explicitly yourself. And that, that's probably the best way. Yeah. Hi. Uh, your ask and act checklists are great. I was going to actually mention, too, that they do sound a little bit right out of a parenting handbook. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I think there is a lot of parallels there. Sure. My, my question is, um, you could argue maybe after setting the vision for the company, setting the culture for the company, sort of job one and two for a CEO, bringing you guys in is in some ways admitting that you're not doing very good at, at, at a core piece of your job. How do you overcome that? Or do you feel resistance? Or are you only bringing in enlightened CEOs anyway as customers <laughs> because they're sort of uh, self-selecting in that way? Sure, it's a great question. So it's interesting. Um, the fact that by admitting that you don't know your company as well as you'd like by using you know, our software tool or anything, you know, doing a feedback survey, et cetera, um, it's actually a huge advantage. So back to the whole point about being vulnerable and going first, it actually, uh, it actually causes employees to be a lot more open than they previously would. So it's a, actually, it's an amazing way to spark a change in your company if you felt like, wow, everyone, you know, no one's telling me every, you know, we have this weird culture of everyone just always being nice to each other instead of being as honest as they could, right? Um, and so the way to, to change that is actually in admitting that you're not doing something as well, again, because you're in a position of power because of that dynamic, um, it actually works to your advantage. Yep. One at the back there. Hello. Hello. Over here oh. in the back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I mean, these are great issues to deal with, and I think technology is wonderful, but it's how is this uh, better than using an executive coach to teach a CEO how to communicate better and possibly work on other issues? Uh, I'm just if really interested yeah. in kind of the traditional method versus what you're offering. Yes. It's not better by any means. Uh, I would say, and it's actually a huge reason why I speak, so we, you know, we build software, but a huge part of, I think, solving the problem of not always being the last to know, it requires executive coaching, it requires having one-on-one -on -one conversations with employees, uh, meeting with people face-to-face. -face. There's so much more than just a software solution. So it's why I give this talk about what are the things that you can tangibly do, what are the things you can do in a meeting, you can do over email, um, and again, you know, finding ways to create an open and honest environment, um, there's, no, there's no one silver bullet to all of that. So the more channels that you have to do that, whether it's an executive coach, whether it's um, software, honestly, the more, the more the merrier. So yeah, it's a great, great thought. Thank you. Over the mid. Yes, um, is this on? Right. Okay, uh, this is slightly a tangent, but I noticed sure. on your site that you guys do like one-time pricing. Yes. And I thought that was really interesting. So yes. it's like $100 an employee yes. once for like forever. 
Yes. Like, how did you guys come to that? How yeah. does it work? Like, do you think it's better than like five mm -hmm. to $10 a user per month or, or whatever it would normally be? It's a great, yeah, it's a great question. Um, so the pricing model was something that before I became the CEO of Know Your Company, when it was just a product, was set. So it's something that Basecamp actually originally came up with. And when uh, uh, Jason and I talked about it, um, uh, it's, it's actually wonderful because what it does is that it really aligns the value of the product with how much customers are paying for it and, and in the way that they're paying for it. So for example, typically when an employee or when a CEO um, looks to get feedback, right? Um, they, let's say it was a subscription service, they might sign up for maybe one month, two months for their employees and then maybe they get distracted with other things or they get really busy and so they stop using the service. So that's fine, and maybe from a business perspective, you, you know, you've collected money from that, but from the actual value that you're providing, um, it means that your employees, you were only asking for feedback for two months. So in a lot of ways, you didn't even give it a shot. And so instead, uh, you know, for Know Your Company, our focus has really been how do you help employees get feedback, or sorry, how do you help a CEO get feedback from their employees for their entire career that they're with you at the company? And so that's, you know, that's what we really care about. And so how do you align the actual value and the price of the product to encourage CEOs to do that? So that's, yeah, that's been, that's the reason for, for why we did that. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.